We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
three guys who combined to play 15 seasons in the National Football League trenches. Well, two guys. And Mackie, who didn't do shit. This is the O-Line Committee. And for the YouTube audience, this is Jeremiah's actual bedroom right here. We're live in Jeremiah's bedroom. It's great. You stop it. Nice pillow selection you have there, Jay. I'm back on the road, okay? I'm back on the road. I've got the mobile setup going. My business partner has a standing desk only, and I'm not about to stand for two hours at 5.15 in the morning. It's not happening. That would be a lot, It's not happening. That would be a lot. I don't don't have the willpower you have to stand, Mackie. I'm a sit What's funny, because I'm sitting today for the first time. In, yeah. in like six months but yeah not everyone has the you know the powerful calf muscles that old macadac has to be able to stand and entertain for two straight hours but that's uh fine. self-suck ding ding good morning <laughs> it's a great morning isn't it it is boys who's got it better than us nobody yeah this is the o-line committee by the way uh welcome into the podcast if you're new please click the like button and the subscribe button on the youtube channel you guys Definitely uh, found that Chiefs film breakdown from celebrating mm. a Super Bowl win last week. So welcome in any new Chiefs fans. Boys, it's um it's fast approaching free agency season. We got the NFL Combine coming up. What is this time of year like for NFL players that are wondering where their families are going to live? You're wondering what kind of money you're going to get? Like, what is Because, you know, fans kind of decompress after the season. But you guys have to figure out what your life situation is two weeks after the Super Bowl, basically. Yeah, it's uh, it's different, and it sucks because you're you've been with your boys for a while, and you've been with your team for a long time, and then all of a sudden they you come in and sit down with the GM, and he's like, "Well, we'll see at the combine how this is gonna work out." And you're like, "It's not. It's just it's not. A, it's not a good thing." And so you're literally every day like, "Where am I gonna go? I could go to Miami? I could go to New England? You're like, you go to go go to Houston?" Go back to Cleveland. Dude, I wanted to go back to Cleveland so bad, so bad just to play for the Brownies, but it didn't happen. And when you're in free agency, it's very nerve-wracking because like you're just getting phone calls, and they're like, okay, this team called. This is where they're at. We're going to wait. And you're like, okay. And then like 12 hours seems like three days. You're just, F. okay, this team called. This is what they're saying. I'll call you back. You're not really even telling me anything. Like you're just giving me bullet points and then being like, I gotta go. I'll call you later. I'll call you later. I checked so, in with this team. Okay. Yeah. Dude, it's we'll, it's we'll check in again in two days. Sounds it's good. up and down, but it, when it finally settles with the team, it's very exciting. Especially because I went from Cali to Minnesota. So it's like going all the way across the country pretty much for me. So it was a whole new experience, a whole new different um, conference. Uh, you're jumping in from the NFC West to the NFC North. Like everybody's like, oh, it's a black and blue division. It's going to be different. And it was like, man, I can't wait to try all this. It's going to be super fun. But it's um, it's interesting, dude. And it's it's. I will say this. The weirdest thing about free agency is going to your new team for the first time and meeting everybody because you feel like an outsider. You're like, I don't belong here. I've, it's like you're seeing behind someone else's curtain and you're like, I don't know if I should see this. Their team's purple. My team was red. This is weird. Like I remember walking I'm around. B-Rob. on the 49ers. What's that? I constantly thought that. I like B Rob would make me laugh, and I'd be like, I can't laugh. B Rob's the enemy. I've blocked him like three times in the NFL. Yeah, like, and then B Rob was like, dude, it's okay. You just fucking laugh about it. Like, dude, we're all teammates now. And I was like, Jim's gonna be gone. mad. Yeah, Jim's I was like, be so <laughs> Harbaugh said I couldn't laugh at anything. <laughs> I was, oh, dude, I was like, Harbaugh, Harbaugh sent me here as a spy. Actually, <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm uh, here to observe and report. <laughs> The council wants to know more. Yeah. Dude, I, feel, I seriously felt like Drax. Like, I was just like, cannot laugh. 
at not funny jokes. Like I was like, in a month in, you're like, who? The 49ers? Fuck them. I'm a Viking. I'm ready to go. Like it's just, it's so fun, dude. It's a lot of, it's a lot of ups and downs though. Yeah, I mean, my 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 free agent experience was very different, you know. So there's 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 really three tiers during free agency. You have your top tier players, and then your middle tier, and then your kind of third tier. And the way it works is like first week free agency, second week free agency, third week free agency. And so going into free agency, your agent pretty much tells you like, hey, you're either going to be first week or hey, settle in. This could be a long this could be a long few weeks here as we get going, but nothing starts until the combine, right? The combine is where you're just sitting there looking at your phone, waiting for your agent to call you after every 10 minute lobby meeting that he has with all the teams <laughs> and say like, yay or nay based off of what that team said. Like they're in, they're out, they're, they're completely out, or maybe they're there at a lower price or whatever it is. Right. And through the combine, you're just constantly getting updates from your from your agent just waiting to see kind of where you fall and then once you leave the combine you have this kind of idea of like where are we going to be but for me when i hit free agency it was after 2017 and the vikings actually told me when i left my exit meetings they're like oh yeah you're a restricted free agent we're going to put a tender on you like we'll figure it out you're going to be back here in purple or and i was like cool so like there's a couple options going into the into the combine for me where it's like i'm either going to be uh, tendered by this team or another team's gonna try and come and, and give me another tender right and then i was in miami on the o-line trip in 2017 we were out to dinner and my agent called me he's like hey just met with the vikings you got a second and that's never 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 uh, that's never the call you want to get and he called me he's like hey just so you know they basically told us they're not going to tender you Such and i was like what the f- what what's going on and he goes they're going to have to save every single dollar in order to sign Kirk Cousins. He oh, goes, so a restricted free agent, a restricted free agent tender on you at the time was going to be like 1.8 million. He's like, and they just, they don't have that kind of wiggle room in the cap right now. They want you back on a MSB, a minimum salary and benefits deal possibly. But they basically said, go test the market. And then from there on, it was me just trying to find a team. And what happens in, when you're a restricted free agent and the team that has you doesn't tender you, you now go into the rest of the market with zero leverage, zero position of strength, no offer on the table. And I ended up having to kind of sort through, I think, five or six different teams to find where's the best roster fit, who's going to, because they were all the same. All of them were MSB contracts, all of them. And the reason MSB contracts are so team friendly is because your salary is you get your vet minimum which i think for me was going to be like 950 but it only counts half towards the cap right so i'm making 950 as a veteran but it's only counting to five or like right around 500 500k for the team right so once you kind of that and so i was just sorting through and ended up landing in carolina with my guy north turner um, who was here, and he was the big reason why I went there. He's like, here, come here. You're end up, um, like competing for the starting left guard spot. And like it was a really good fit, but it was just a very different experience of you're kind of back to almost in a way like recruiting. You're like, at least teams want me, but like no team has this huge offer on the table. I really have to sort through and sift through with my agent here the best opportunity that I'm going to get Like and say, hey, 
look at the room, who's getting paid, who's not getting paid, who's what's happening, who's guaranteed, and all those things, and try and just really find the best fit. It was a really stressful time for me because I had no idea where I was going to go, and also I was walking into a place, unlike Booney, I wasn't going to be the guy. Right. I was going to have to fight for everything, much like an undrafted free agent again, just this time as a veteran. And so honest- as all this is happening, though, are you guys, like, planning – are you putting like Booney, you probably had a house that you owned in San Francisco area, right? Like what's all happening just behind, so you got your agent and you've There's got a lot your of football moving. business. What's all happening? You got kids, like what's happening behind the scenes? That's the hardest thing is when you have kids because you have to get them ready for school and so you don't know where you're going. So you're getting ready to enroll kids into school that you don't know where you're going. And it is a little tricky, but I think my wife is Jay knows my wife. She's a beast. She handles everything. If you don't get on her schedule, shit gets fucking crazy quick. Like she'll let you know <laughs> you're fucking up, big boy, and I'll be like, okay, that's me, that's me. I'll say, yep, just point uh, me in the right direction. But she was great, and it is it is very nerve wracking, especially because when the when the agents come to you, it's kind of funny. Like they like Jay said, they'll bring you a sheet of all the teams with all their rosters, and they're like, so this is who's called. This is where you could go, and you're like looking at some of them are fucking amazing looking. Like you're looking at these rosters, and you're like. I could possibly play with these guys. And I had just come from playing with a badass group of dudes. So it was like, I'm ready to play with another group that's like ready to go fucking take it. So when I got to the Vikings, like they, everybody was like, dude, we are one piece away from being in the Super Bowl. We missed a fucking kick because our kicker sucks. We should have been there. Like I remember I was like, this is going to be badass. And it ended up being the exact opposite. The grass <laughs> is not always greener. You just you started don't know. well. You guys were like five and dude, we're to five start and zero. It was very we're exciting able, for a while. Jay and I, I both know that we were kind of frauding our way through there. Like we were like, <laughs> boys, we're hanging on with the fucking dear life. Like we went through a rough season. We did, and we fought really hard. I thought about it last night a lot because I was thinking about free agency, and I remember coming here, and I remember Zimmer looking at me, being like, "You know why you're here?" And that was all he said to me. And he walked away. He was like, "You know why you're here." And I was like, okay, cool. This could be time, great. coach. Yep. Like I'm, I, in, the, in the moment, I didn't mind it because I was like, I'm going to get to do whatever the fuck I want now. Mm-hmm. Like He basically gave me the keys to the kingdom and was like, kick the shit out of everybody in your way. Not kidding. Kill them. They get in your way, step on them. I was like, all right, cool. Got it. I can do this. And then you turn around and you're like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. This is not at all. Like I love Norv. I fucking love the offense. I love the way we ran shit. I love the way we played. I love Tony. I love my room. Like It was super fun. But sometimes like halfway through the season, you're like, this is where free agency gets and, but, you. But San this Francisco, where, but this is the decision that you guys have to make, right? Which is, this was your first big contract opportunity for agency. Yeah. San Francisco, my guess is San Francisco wasn't offering anything near. And plus, you guys, coaching change, everything. They didn't San offer Francisco. me anything. Me and Balky didn't well, like each other. They just went through a nice big breakup, too. Very yeah. public. Yeah. We very went public. Through very... I held out all through camp. And mm-hmm. yeah, there was... That's why when I went to him, he was like, no, there's not going to be. It was funny because I called my agent at the end of the year, right? We had a very tumultuous year over there. And it was right after Harbaugh left. We brought Tomasula in. And it was a changing of the guard. And we just weren't ready for it. Like, we just, we thought we were ready and we weren't. And we got the shit kicked out of us. And a lot of us got really beat up. And we just, it didn't go well. And so when we met that year at the end, I remember Trent was like, you don't even have to be here. Like, we don't even have to meet. And I was like, okay, cool. I called my agent. He said I should just respectfully sit down and say hello to you. He was like, nothing to say to you. I was like, cool. <laughs> All right. I'll see you fucking never then, Bubba. Peace. Sounds like, what do you guy. say when somebody doesn't want you? You've been out there working your fucking ass off. You've taken this team to three NFC championships. And this fucking guy says to me, now nah, we're good. We're fucking good? Okay, dude. My bad. Mm. Like, I'm... 
I'm sensing some pent up aggression here. There is. Alex. There's a lot of pent up aggression. You considered a lot of shove down rage. You know how it gets. It just gets <laughs> a little different. Don't get me wrong. When I met Rick, it was awesome because that dude was jacked out of his mind. Like I went from being like, "This is a weird relationship," to to Spielman was like. Stop, motherfucker. And I was like, this guy's the man. Fucking biceps are huge. My agent tells me, too, at the time. He goes, hey, listen, I, I got to tell you this before you meet Rick. I go, what's up? He's like, it's kind of hard of hearing. So you have to speak really loud and talk so uh, You know me. I'm going in. I'm like, shut the fuck up, Jay. He goes, no, I swear to God. He's older. He's like, he's a Spielman, dude. He's crazy. He's like, he's like his brother. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I get in there and... I go to shake his hand. I'm like, hey, Rick, <laughs> I'm boo. He's literally looking at me like, fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> hey, Rick. Hi, I'm Alex. Hey, nice goes, to meet you. He goes, did Feinside tell you I'm fucking deaf? I go, yeah. He goes, God, he fucking does this to me all the time. <laughs> I was like, dude, this is going to be so much fun. We're going to have so much fun here. We can fuck with the GM. No, you can't. You can't. Don't do that. <laughs> I love Rick. Well, I remember he always like wear the he'd oil up the chest after a oh. workout session. Leave a couple. Buttons I saw the dumbbells in his office. I know oh, yeah. he's getting a pump in before he comes down to practice. I'm not stupid. checking the checking well, the weight. I remember the pump. when I got when I got traded to the Vikings. Uh, Spielman called me, and he was like, "Jeremiah, hey, my son just committed to Nebraska." Like, all in, and, like, I was in my second year in the league. I knew who no one was. I was like, oh, that's awesome, man. Couldn't be happier for you guys. Da, da, da. And so when I got onto the plane to come to Minnesota, I Googled who his son was to be like, all right, let's and, – and his son was J.D. Spielman, yep. who is a black man. And so when I showed up to Minnesota, I fully expected to meet my new GM, who was going to be this, like – larger black man whose son is just going to nebraska and when i walked in and met rick spielman yeah i think he could sense it because i just was so like brain broken like <laughs> like gears in my head and i was like oh your your son just good he goes adopted i was like okay got it like i just couldn't handle like my brain like was expecting something you, which your son i when, don't yeah, yeah i was like you made him say it you made him have to fucking say I, I, it. I was it was literally that obvious on my face that like he could tell something was rattled in my brain and the only thing that made sense was not is like your your son your son went and he's like adopted i was like i got it okay moving <laughs> moving on here thank Pl you for trading very, <laughs> very excited to be here very excited to be here thank you i was like i'm definitely getting cut <laughs> oh my god dude gosh oh, oh my well, god dude we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. I think, I think we should, let's do this today, boys, here. So we, we've, been, we've been talking about, now that it's off-season, mm. doing some new off-season material, some new segments here. I think we should start here, now that we've gotten some good free agency stories out of the way. I think we should start with the debut of speculation season here. Mm. Where every single week we're going to dive in, we're going to pick a player, we're going to pick a team, a situation, and speculate on where's the player going to go? What should the team do? What should the Bears do with the number? Like, there's all sorts of things we can get into here the next few weeks. And then we'll do some who's the mic and we'll get into some dumb football and questions. Audience, send some things you want us to speculate about. 100%. Like, yeah, make sure, drop not just the dumb football questions, make sure you're dropping in there, hey, what do y'all think about dot, dot, dot. Yes, hit us up YouTube comment section and let us know what we are. We are the big brain football, big brain football over here. You know, we just we know all clearly sitting in our uh, posh bedrooms, right? And uh, (laughs) so at the spa, people have been wanting us to talk about this because you guys are former Vikings. I host Mm. Purple Daily, a Vikings podcast, and so we've had for like four or five weeks. People want to know what do you think they should do with Kirk Cousins. So let me set it up this way. I think I think you nationally just, you just really want people to be upset with you, don't you? You sure people, do. People are looking for trouble, Mackie. If you, if you follow Mackie on Twitter, yeah, you know you that there's a lot of Kirk there's a lot of Kirk Crusaders out there that are willing to burn Mackie at the stake. Well listen, here's the thing. Here's where I come from. I have I wanna hear yeah, I want to hear why Mackie is the way he is. Go ahead. I, <laughs> for you, dude. Tell me tell me more, Mac. Tell I me more. Have, I have football standards, okay? The Minnesota Vikings' first season in franchise history was 1961. This team has won, I think it's 27 division titles over those six and a half decades. They've been to four Super Bowls in the 70s, lost them. They've been to NFC Championship games 
once every eight years. They've had some of the greatest players you'll find in NFL history, wide receivers, purple people eaters. Mm -hmm. They've had legends pass through like the Brett Favre's Randall Cunningham in 1998, right? They've, they've done everything there is to do as a franchise except win the Super Bowl. And they haven't even been to a Super Bowl in 40 years. And so, and we had to literally four years ago on Purple Daily, I feel like Judd and I had to explain this because like, you guys are being, they won a playoff game last year. You guys are being so negative. Okay, why are we being negative? Because everything, at least from my perspective, everything that this franchise does should be run through the can we win a Super Bowl doing it this way filter. It's the only thing you haven't done. If you're the Jaguars or you're the Lions, all right, your next step is to just be relevant, right, as a franchise. The Vikings have been relevant for six decades. And so why am I the way that I am? Why do I not want another $40 million in Kirk Cousins' bank account? Because he's made almost $200 million with the Vikings. Six years, they've won one playoff game. One playoff game. Yeah. Literally, like, the dude's made a quarter of a billion dollars playing football in his football life. And he has one playoff win in nine years as a starter. Dude, TJ Yates and Tim Tebow have a playoff win in their careers. Yeah. Like, Trent Dilfer has five playoff wins. Patrick Mahomes has, like, 15, and he's not even 30 years old yet. So... And I get that it's not, it's a team game. It's not on the quarterback, but you know, football's a team game. Then why would I want to pay a non-elite, non-franchise carrying quarterback 15 to 20% of my salary cap year after year after year, and then bitch about the things that are wrong around it and keep going through that cycle. And so it's not hate. Kirk is one of the top 10 to 12 quarterbacks in the world, but can you win a Super Bowl paying the 10th or 11th best quarterback 35, 40, 45 million dollars, 15 percent of your team salary cap. It's a team a game. Lot. Then build your team and stop building it all around one guy. I mean, you listen, Patrick Mahomes. Cool. We can trade Tyreek Hill. You still win back to back Super Bowls because you're that dude. Right. Right. And there's some other quarter. I think Josh Allen is kind of close to that line, too. Where, OK, we can kind of Josh Allen can just make up for the deficiencies. Kirk can't make up for the deficiencies. So, all right, that's my spiel. The Vikings have a huge decision to make here in the next two weeks, basically. Well, probably the next, like, three weeks, because on March 13th, before free agency opens, if he doesn't re-sign with the Vikings, they get stuck with a $28.5 million dead cap hit for 2024, even if he's not on the team. But he wants to test the market and see what the Falcons are saying and see what the Raiders are saying and the Steelers, right? So if you're the Vikings, it's very comfortable to have Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. He's going to throw for 4,000 yards, even probably post-surgery. He's going to light it up with Justin Jefferson. But you're going to win like nine games and probably get beat in the first or second round of the playoffs, right? Unless something happens that's never happened in his career before. So what would you guys, am I wrong? What would you guys look to do? Call me an idiot if you want to, but what would you do if you're the Vikings with Kirk Cousins? If I'm the Vikings, I'm number one. I'm paying attention to what Justin Jefferson's saying, and I'm really sitting him down and I'm asking him seriously, like, hey, listen, are you really tying yourself to Kirk? Like, if we go off and get a young quarterback, someone that can just throw the deep ball, that can affect the defense in other ways, can run around, can create plays, can be explosive, are you really not going to want to be here? And if he's like, yeah, hey, I don't want to do anything without Kirk, I'm like, dude, we need to talk because you are one of – the greatest receivers in the league right now. And we need you to be on board. At the same time, we need to get younger at this position. I hate to tell everybody, but unless your name was Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes, they're the only ones really been winning the Super Bowls the last 15, 20 years. Okay, so it's like those are the two best (laughs) fucking quarterbacks to walk through the league in the last 40 years besides Peyton Manning. 
So honestly, the number one and the number two quarterback are the only ones worth really getting paid because they're the ones that can go out there and do it by themselves. Patrick Mahomes just showed you. They traded Tyreek Hill away. We were all like, oh, they're fucked. Who's going to be the long ball? Who's going to force this team to get the ball to Kelsey? Like, that was so easy. Everyone just followed Tyreek, and then there was Kelsey over the middle. Like, just throw it to me. Check it down to me, dude. Right? By the way, have you seen the, the stat that came out? You know, the, I saw some statistics, you guys. Oh, I, was looking on, I was looking on some football sites. And, uh, he saw PFF dude, again. Oh, God. Patrick Mahomes' average length of touchdown pass before the Tyreek Hill trade was like 19 yards per touchdown. It's like three and a half yards per touchdown. Now he's just found different ways to get right. the ball down the field and into the end zone, right? And he's he, an, he's an incredible player, and he makes what forty five million dollars a year. So at the point, like at some point, somebody has to be like, "Listen, we're going to continue paying quarterbacks as much as this guy, and they're not going to give us the production this guy is." And you're right, Mackie. We're hampering the rest of our team, whether it's finding less players on offense or whether it's finding less people on defense to help our offense. This is a problem when you're paying one guy way too much money, and then all of a sudden everybody else is like, "Yeah, I don't want to go there. I'm not going to take less." Like honestly, the only person that I could see taking less right now would be Chris Jones because he came out and said it. I'd rather win fucking Super Bowls at this point. I've made a hundred million. I'm gonna make another hundred million, and I'm gonna walk away with eight Super Bowls. Like, see, when, if you're Kirk, you you've literally. I, I'm not. This is not hyperbole. He's made a quarter of a billion dollars. No, I know. Football. It's like two hundred and fifty so, million. Wouldn't you, if if you think if you survey the landscape here, which you can do now, you don't need to wait till free agency no, to you survey the landscape. You you know you'll have conversations at the combine, whatever. Like, wouldn't you look around? This is and again, it's easy for me to say as a guy that has never made a quarter of a billion dollars and and can go make another forty. But wouldn't you look around and think about your football legacy at some point? Man, I'm 36. I just had a career scare. I just tore my Achilles. Who knows how much longer I have? If Minnesota is the best spot to build and win. What's the difference between $28 million and $45 million at this right. point in your life? I know that the NFLPA and a I here comes the agent guy raising his uh -oh, microphone. Here he comes. I know what he's going to say. But, like, if you want to win a Super Bowl, fat. take a little – Tom Brady, take a little – Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Tom, Tom was dude, the number one. Tom never – Drew, Drew Brees did not test the market six years ago at the same age. He signed back with the Saints. Listen, I, I don't disagree with you, but – there's a quote from Kirk that has always stuck a hole in my brain, which is, it's not about the dollars, it's what the dollars represent. Which right? means it's about the dollars. And for yeah, the, Kirk, but in Kirk, and when you hear, like, that means, Kirk, in my opinion, has always felt dislike, and again, I don't know Kirk, and I'm going to speak out of my ass here, but <laughs> listening to what Kirk's talks and, like, how he speaks in the media, I feel like Kirk always comes from a place like he feels disrespected in this league. And when you feel somewhat disrespected, rightfully so or not, because of, like you said, all the things you just said, Mackie, like all, everyone says it because it's all true. You feel the way that you earn your respect is by, hey, I'm paid top tier quarterback money, right? right? Like, because I am a top tier quarterback. If you take away Kirk Cousins' top tier quarterback salary, do people stop viewing him as a top tier quarterback? Probably. Yeah, right? and and that was part of my problem when the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins, is they paid him top tier quarterback money, and everyone just now assumed he was top tier quarterback. You're right, Kirk Cousins is a top ten to twelve quarterback in this league, but mm -hmm. when you're paid like the top five or the top three, then you're looked at to perform like one of the top one to three quarterbacks, and that's not fair to Kirk because he's never been that guy. Like, he's never been the dude that can just walk out there and be like, 
Minute 53 left in the Super Bowl, pff, this game's over. Right? It's, like, it, it, it's He's never been that dude, and that was my argument all along when they signed with him. So I don't. I think it's time for the Vikings to eat the dead cap, understand that what Kurt gave you was fun, it was a magical ride, but it's time to move on in a different direction of this football team. I will say this. I worry that this fractures front office leadership between GM and head coach. And maybe ownership, dude. And maybe ownership, depending which camp they jump in. Because I think it's no secret Kevin O'Connell does not want Kirk Cousins to walk out of this building. Mm-hmm. Right, I I don't think it's any secret that Kirk is his dude. He wants a dude that can sit in there, operate his offense. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Kevin O'Connell is going to scheme everyone open because every great passing coach, quarterback, or coach thinks that it doesn't matter. If I just need a guy that can deliver it because I'm so brilliant and smart. I can scheme everybody open, so Kirk can do that for me. And I think Quazy. Being the analytic guy, being the smart guy, looking at a how to build a football team in 2024 is going to look at that and go, he's not good enough. He's not good enough for the vision in which I have of how to build this football team. And I think that's going to cause a fracture in the leadership. And if that happens, we've seen this movie before in Minnesota. Mm. We've seen what happens when a head coach and a GM don't speak to each other. Yeah, that was weird. And it could get out of control real quick. But I'm on the camp of thank you for everything, Kirk. This is not a disrespect thing that we're saying, oh, we hate you here. It's just time to move on, which everyone happens and comes to it at Interpass. And like Booney said, we may be sitting there going, grass isn't always greener. But if you want to make it to the Super Bowl and filter it through the lens, like you said, Mac, it starts with a rookie contract and building a team around a rookie quarterback contract. But yeah. sometimes people equate success in the NFL to they, they equate it to linear quarterback success. Where well, if you if you go from Kirk and you downgrade at quarterback, there's no possible way that you could be a better football team. What's funny though, the four years before Kirk Cousins signed in 2018, the Vikings averaged like 11 wins per year with Teddy Bridgewater, Case yeah. Keen. I mean, you guys were on those teams, yeah. Like. Because like, we had talent everywhere. We had correct. Rudolph, and we had Stefan. No, you we guys, had they, they were drafting a lot better, too. Dude, our dude. defense was dude. fucking stout. Everson, Are you Everson serious? Griffin, Everson, Daniil, Linville, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks. Dude, we Xavier did one-on-ones Rhodes, every Trey week. Waynes. Fuck you guys. Was, dude, Harrison we were, Smith. Yeah. We were fighting seriously monsters, and that's what you have the ability to do. You forget that. This team is too caught up in one fucking guy, and I hate to say it, but everybody just said it. You've only won one playoff game. You're not good. Stop saying you're disrespected. That's not what it is. That's what people look at. They go, hey, you lost your best receiver. No one gives a fuck, Patrick Mahomes. Show us how good you are. And then when he did, everybody was like, fuck. God, he did it again. <laughs> Literally. They're supposed to be rebuilding. That's who you pay because that's the guy the team plays for. That is one team right now that is just murdering it no matter what happens. Like three years ago, their defense sucked, and they still won the Super Bowl. Now their defense is on fire, and their offense has no great receivers except for Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. Like, that's it. It's just a changing of how the team plays. At one point, that team was paying everybody on offense. Now they're paying the defense. Like, it has to keep moving around, or else people aren't going to want to come play for you. Can I also tell me if I'm being unreasonable here? You guys played in the league. I didn't. I'm just an idiot with a microphone who has takes on things. But 
I saw it was it was the week before the Super Bowl, and Logan Ryan did an interview on like Fox Sports One. He was doing some from TV the Niners. Coward. Yep, like yeah. long time was he? He was a Titan. He's yeah, been yeah. all over the place. Uh, been in the league for like ten years, and so he shows up, signs with the Niners, shows up, and okay, they're you know this is a Super Bowl caliber team. I'm coming in here. How can I contribute to one of the best teams in the NFL? And he said the first thing that struck me is I came in on a Tuesday because I'm new. And half the team was in the building on Tuesday, getting a lift in, looking at some. You can't officially practice on Tuesday because league rules state that you guys get a day off. But he said half the team, if not more, was putting in that grind, putting in that work. And again, I I might be unreasonable here, but when Kirk came out on Netflix and said Tuesdays are off limits for me for 24 hours, that that would bother me if I was in if I was in that organization looking to win a Super Bowl. And I know that other teams, the 49ers, half their dudes are in the facility on a Tuesday. Like, I don't know. Am I am, am I no, being unreasonable? That bothered me when I saw it. It bothered me a lot, too, because Jay and Jay will tell you, like, since we're talking about Sorry, it. Sorry, Jay, it bothered, we're in trouble right now. Yeah, dude, we're going to get no, canceled. Fine. It's I okay. Just, I knew this, the, new, the second you, you said this, I was like, oh, I didn't think he was going to go this route, you're but I'm excited. Alex up. You're I'm excited. Oh, you know you are. You're pissing me off because the workhorse was like, where the fuck is everybody? We said we were here to work. Dude. I, you can't get me started. The minute August starts, your life is over. It's been like this for 100 years. Fucking 100 years. They tell these guys, from August all the way till Feb, you're done. There's nothing to do but ball, okay? Tuesdays, that's a fucking lie. People, they're like, Tuesday's an off day. Yeah, it's an off day if you're a backup or you don't fucking play. But if you want to play... And you are out there, your Jay ass is off. in there on Tuesday. Tell me I'm wrong, because there used to be times where Tuesday was lift day, it was recovery day, and then guess what? Coach found you in the hallway, it's time to come upstairs and see the low lights. It's time to start talking about what the hell went wrong. How this play that we talked about for three fucking days went wrong. Get in here. You're like, oh, fuck. Listen, man, I got to be out of here by like 9 o'clock tonight, okay? I, I got to get home at some point today. They're like, no. <laughs> We're not, because guess who you got this week? J.J. Watt. So we're watching more film. You're like, okay, here we go. Like It's just a constant. It just starts over every Monday. A whole new 100-hour work week all over, Like no matter how you feel or what you feel. And when the quarterback of the team comes out and is like, well, I take Tuesdays off because I need personal time. I'm looking at that like, dude, there is no more personal time. It's you, me, and them. That's it. That's the personal time. That's our hangout time. That's our chill time. That's our lunch. This is what we do. I was really offended when he said that, and I think everybody on the team was probably like, "This is bullshit." Shouldn't have said that. But the t- yeah. team does like him, though. He's a le- there's he's no a question they like him. That's the thing. They like, like him. Everyone's rallying to the Kirk Cousins cause, right? I saw a quote from Addison. I saw a quote from Brian O'Neill. I saw a quote from Jefferson. Like, yeah, the, the and this is where this is where I it, it worries me about the fracture of leadership in the in the building. If you have KOC and player crew over here and all of a sudden the gm which is his right it is your right as a gm you wear gm head and you they work for you if you can go to the owners and pitch your vision as to why he shouldn't be there you're putting your stamp and you're betting your career on it but i worry that then you don't have any friends left in the building and that's a lonely ass place to be as a gm when you've pissed everyone off right everyone and now you've got to go into a contract negotiation with a very upset wide receiver who's not happy that Kirk Cousins is back right and you've got tackles that are going to be up in a couple years that maybe aren't going to be happy and then you're going I better hit in the draft 
Like, I better get my guy. I better stake my claim on whoever I'm drafting or whatever bridge quarterback I bring in, right? And so that goes back to that. But to quickly go back to the Tuesday thing, I never played with a quarterback that wasn't in there first thing Tuesday morning. And I learned that from Philip Rivers. Philip mm-hmm. Rivers, who has, I live like 11 children now, I think it is. I think it was nine back when I played <laughs> Might with Might be him. 12, dude. I think he like, just had another one. Yeah, not kidding. Back, you. Not back, even when kidding I, back when I played with him, I think he had nine. And he had this big, white, lifted diesel truck, right? Dude's from Alabama, talks like this. And I would come in on Tuesdays as the rookie to get my lift in, to get ahead on the week, to get some studying in. And it didn't matter how early I got there, 5.30, 5, Phil was already there. And he already had a sauna, he had already had a steam, and he was already doing the third down blitz cut up that he made for himself and would kick the coaches out of the room when he installed it. Yeah. And he did all that on Tuesdays. And then I come, Teddy Bridgewater, come here. Rookie quarterback, grinding on Tuesdays, learning, getting better. Sam Bradford walks in here. Same thing, in there every Tuesday, learning, getting prepared for what he wants to give his team for the week. And then it it goes on and on. Josh Allen was in there. Cam Newton was there. Like, it just was, when I read that, it just was weird to me because it was something I had never seen in a six-year career on four different teams, right? All four different teams, every quarterback I knew was the guy in there on Tuesday because come Wednesday, as an old lineman, I can get the sheet and look at them and be like, okay, these are our runs. This is this, but the passing game and everything else, like you're the you're the quarterback. Literally, you are setting everything. If you're not up to speed, practice isn't going to look good, and it's a no. wasted day. Like, and that's why you get paid what you get paid. That's why you get what you get. Like, that's why you're the dude. But if you miss a whole day, you're coming in Wednesday fresh-eyed to the game plan and everything. It's just it kind of wastes a day on Wednesday, in my opinion. But on the flip side, I guess to de- to defend him in this situation i've never i've never watched him play on sunday and thought oh my god he looks wildly unprepared to play a football game because he is he is meticulous but but all the other quarterbacks putting in the extra time kirk tober or the roller coaster that kirk can go on that's he goes on games there where it's three or four games of not good kirk that's true like i mean i'm not saying that looking unprepared and missing one or two details is a real thing yeah. Right. Like, I don't think Kirk's ever walked out there unprepared because he's a professional and he's done this for a long time. Mm-hmm. But there's sometimes you're like, he missed that Ooh. throw or he missed that coverage or he missed that blitz or how did he not slide that guy that way? Right. How did he not see that? There's only so many hours in the week. There's only so many hours to go over so many things. And if you're missing an entire 24 hours within that week, you may have missed something that was a third down pickup. You may have missed that red zone play that needed to be installed. Like, there's a million different things that you can miss in missing a day that is the difference between winning and losing in this league. I agree. And, hey, honestly, how many times this year did we break down film of the blitzes where we were like, he doesn't even look to the right. Remember? We were breaking down the Tampa game, and he had a, they, were, they were gone protection. They brought six man, and he didn't even look, and he just got smoked. And it's one of those things where you're looking, and you're like, how does he not know this guy's not coming? So he sees him clearly blitzing. How does he not know he's not going to get picked up? And it's one of those things where it's like, maybe it was a Tuesday thing. Maybe it was a Tuesday that got caught up on Wednesday. Like, you don't know. There are so many things that happen by Wednesday. The game plan changes every day. I don't know if everybody noticed that. But they put in 100 plays in the beginning of the week. And then you mm-hmm. go out and practice them. And by Friday, you're down to 20. 
That's why it's so red lines day, to plays. Dude, there's days where they come in randomly. We'll be watching film and they'll be like, hey, we were going to try and do a 97 knife this week. That plays out. Just scratch it from your book. And you're like, well, that sucks. I really wanted to pull around. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I really wanted to. Like, it's, it's constantly. Or they'll be like, hey, remember that play that we ran three weeks ago that was called Blunt Arc? We're going to pull that out now and bring that back out. And you're like, all right, Blunt Arc's in. Got it. All right, cool. Like, it's yeah. it changes so fast that I don't know how you could miss a day and feel normal. Like, if I didn't go to work for a day, I'd be like, something's wrong. Like, I'm really hurt. I mean, I can't walk. Jay remembers the time I didn't go to work. I didn't even know who I was. I had to drive you home. <laughs> yeah, I had to drive you home after. Or... Yeah, he had a concussion on Monday night against the Bears. He was sobbing in his hands on the sideline. I mean, sobbing. And we were like, Alex, are you okay? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm fine. <laughs> no, I don't I'll remember be, any of this. Where's my helmet? I was like... Sugar man, sugar man. Like I was like, come get him. I, I can remember bringing him home because it was like three in the morning, and I remember knocking on the door with him, <laughs> like I'm dropping off a child. And Dana's like, oh, is he crying? <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's had a tough night. He's like, oh, get him in here. I was like, okay, goodbye, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> oh, poor Alex. I didn't see anybody for like forty eight hours. I was out. Yeah, yeah, but I mean. I don't know. I can already feel the heat in the comments. We haven't even finished recording this this podcast. It's okay. But it's okay. It'll I just, it'll it's totally fine, skin. dude. We it'll were there. I'm we totally fine at the next level. It. And I just, I'm, I'm going to say this. I don't dislike Kirk Cousins. And right. I don't think anyone that's been in Minnesota or anyone that's watched Kirk Cousins play is coming at this from like, I hate Kirk Cousins. I hate this dude. I yeah. can't stand this guy. But you just have to look at results in the NFL. It's a results-driven business, and it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And what have you done for me lately, Kirk? I don't know if it justifies a fully guaranteed contract. I don't know if it justifies $45 million a year. And if that's what you feel, feel like you're worth, and that's what you really feel like someone else will pay you, go chase that money, dude. Right. Go for it. it. Some, someone will pay you that if you really believe that's out there. I just don't think it should be the Vikings. Yeah, hey, you make a great is. point. And my agent, my second agent actually told me this when we were doing negotiating because you know how I get very emotional and I'm very into it. And I remember no. he was really? like, really? What? He was like, listen, dude, this is strictly business. He's like, there is no personal here. Nothing about this conversations that we're going to do has anything to do with personality or you or how they feel about you. Like he was like, you have to separate yourself from this business at some point. And you have to be like, okay, now I'm a businessman. It's my GM. I'm going to talk to him like he's my boss. I'm not going to fuck with him. Like He's like, you have to take that ownership because you're the only one making it personal. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah, dude, it's fucking business. Deal with it. And Alex I think is like, now the- it's personal between me and you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but the problem is fans, I think, think that we're attacking his character and we're going at like people are like, you're so mean to him. It's like, no, we're not being mean to him. We're just telling you he's not worth the money that you want to pay him. Because from our experience in the NFL, when you pay somebody like that, you're either going to hinder your team or he's just not Patrick Mahomes. So it's like, hey, listen, how much are you willing to give this guy and take from your team to continue doing this cycle every year? Remember, one playoff win. Like, that's a lot of money. So we're not, I want, honestly, I think Kirk's a cool dude. I think it's hilarious. He does the Coles thing. I love the chains. I love the no shirt. I think he's got a good personality for a quarterback. I and I think that's why everyone totally loves agree. him because he is who he is. He's very honest. He's very like, listen, I don't care if it's quirky. I'm going to do it. I am who I am. I love that about him. But when it comes to being a GM, you can't pay him $45 million in my mm-hmm. opinion. I'm just like, I'm sorry, dude. I think you're a good quarterback, but you're not Patrick Mahomes to me. 
Hey, well, on, on Mahomes, because you at the beginning of this conversation, Booney, you kind of said, look, look who's winning Super Bowls. It's Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Those guys, those guys can carry broken or non-perfect rosters to Super Bowls, right? Right. So if, if you look at the last 24 participating Super Bowl teams, there are two discernible quarterback blueprints. One of them is you have a GOAT. You have Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. In fact, uh, nine of the 24 Super Bowl participants were led by Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, or Peyton Manning on big contracts. Oh, yeah. 12 of the 24, this is the other blueprint, 12 of the 24 Super Bowl teams were led by quarterbacks on rookie-scale contracts. I mean, Brock Purdy being the ultimate example. So you can build out the rest. And it's, it's not all about you had to Burrow. hit on I mean, Viking, Joe Burrow yeah. was on a rookie-scale yep. contract. Yep. I mean, the, yeah. the Vikings have whiffed on draft picks a lot lately, and that has contributed to kind of where they're sitting. But 21 out of the last 24 Super Bowl participants have either a GOAT or a rookie-scale contract quarterback. The other three are Matthew Stafford, 2021 Rams. They won the Super Bowl. 2016, Matt Ryan had a large lead in the Super Bowl. And 2019, Jimmy G also had a double-digit lead in the Super Bowl. So you like you can do it the other way where you're paying Matt Ryan, you got Matthew Stafford. That's kind of where the Vikings are at. But that's the three out of 24. I'd rather be on the 21 of 24, rookie scale, or keep keep looking to find, find the GOAT. The right. GOAT. But well, I think but, and we that's not going to happen PTSD right now. PTSD around here, by the way. <laughs> well, so that's the problem. is about drafting quarterback. Everybody's so worried about it, but eventually you're going to have to – somebody's going to have to find the next GOAT. Someone's going to have to find the next rookie quarterback and develop him and make him better than he is. Like it's, And I think that's what coaches worry about is that they're looking at these young players and they're like, can we develop them? Can we teach him how to be the way we want him to? Or is he too stuck in his ways? And I think that's why the personalities, and they try to get with these guys so much now, and they try to break down so much film at the combine, and they're trying to constantly be like, what does he know? What can we teach him? What is he good at? But the truth is, one of the great things about all these young quarterbacks is they're durable. They love to run around. They're quick. They're not afraid to get – like that's something to take for you can look at that and go, this guy's going to make plays. If we have receivers out here, this guy's going to run around. He's going to make plays. He's going to make it happen. And that, to me, is how the, these teams are starting to win more and more and more. And you can do that with a less talented offense and get away with it. Because when you have a quarterback that can run around and create plays and create space in the back end, dude, there's going to be guys open forever. I, I, I also want to see I want to see KOC's ability to develop a young player. Right? Like, Prove your you were a quarterback. You played in this league. It's a great like point. You've had Kirk. You've had Kirk, who you've been able to say like, "Can I really operate my offense?" Yes, I can through Kirk. But can you develop someone into running your version of what your offense is? Can you take mm -hmm. a Jaden Daniels? Can you take a Michael Penix, a Bo Nix, uh, whoever you put the stamp on and say, "This is my guy," as long as it's not JJ McCarthy. As long as you say this is my oh, guy, oh, the agenda right? What if and, it is though? God, and then it might be, dude. Odds it, it, on favorites uh, right now to draft JJ McCarthy. It's just uh oh, uh oh. Hey, can you can you guys <laughs> guess? Hey, nine nine years as a uh, on the KOC offense, like even broadening it out. Kirk Cousins nine years as a starting quarterback. Can you guys guess where his offenses rank on average in scoring? Around twelfth. Yeah, I'd say middle of the pack. Thirteenth. Thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, twelfth, thirteenth. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is he does enough to operate his offense, but bring me an electric playmaker that can light this thing on fire the way you want him to, right? And that just goes to 
KOC having belief in his ability to develop a quarterback and a belief that there's going to be a quarterback there that he can do it with, and also Quazy and him being on the same page. Hey, you like this guy? Yes, I like this guy. All right, stamped. Go do your thing. But that's a scary thing to do as a coach when you have a family, you have you have all these things where you want to stay and you want to be safe and you don't want to go through with it, like the rebuild and losing football games and people calling for your head. And I can see where KFC comes from, but I selfishly want to see him develop a young quarterback and say, can he be that type of coach, a Sean McVay with a Jared Goff? Like, can he do these things? I don't know. I think he can, but I, I don't know until he shows me that he can without a 36-year-old veteran quarterback. Yeah, Dude. You're making this so fun. Like, it sounds like it's going to be intense, right? Like, no risk it, no biscuit. Can he develop this young player? It's going to be so This is what makes it so fun. This is why coaching in the NFL is so fun because everybody's looking at you like, can you do it? Can you do it in front of the world? Let's find out. And like you said, you have a family and you're constantly like, well, this is the safe bet. This gets us nine wins guaranteed. But if we go with a younger player, we could really screw ourselves. But to me, I don't see it that way because of the way that these guys play football now. They're so used to being on the move and throwing on the run and being electric and knowing where they're going. It's to me like, man, it sounds like you got to draft a young player. Restart the rookie scale, get that contract down, start helping other people on the team, get some more players around you. Could be really exciting. Yeah, just I mean, imagine, just imagine, bigger- guys. Rookie quarterback comes in on Tuesdays. How much easier it's going to be for KOC to get that? Oh, twenty-four more hours to install. Uh, <laughs> the the other piece of the rookie contract that people don't grasp around is you can now build a team completely different than you would beforehand with young players and guys coming in free agency because you have cap room. And then if this doesn't work out in four years, if it doesn't, and heaven forbid, you draft a guy, it's not the guy. In four years, it's time to move on. You've now built the foundation of a really good team that maybe the quarterback's the one missing piece you got to go buy in free agency, right? Which is what the Vikings convinced themselves of in 2018, mm-hmm. right? Drafted Teddy Bridgewater in 2015. 15. Right? He ends up getting hurt. Things don't work out. But because they had this wiggle room with the cap space, they were able to pay guys like Harrison Smith, Daniel Hunter, uh, not excuse me, like Kendrick's Barr. Like they had money to pay these guys coming up and they were like, we can spend every dime we have on Kirk Cousins because that's the one piece away that we are. And everyone in Minnesota Viking land would have believed you if you said after 2017 season, hey, we go get a top-tier quarterback, we're Super Bowl contenders right now. Yeah, That's where we need to get back to, but you have to build your way slowly back to there. It doesn't just happen overnight. Yep. So, all right, we just, wow, that was, how was that for you guys? 30 minutes of... Kirk Cousins discussion. It was great. Smoke. It was good smoke after that. that was like eating lunch in the cafeteria and having a conversation with the boys. Yeah. You, hey, we paying this dude? You think we're paying this dude? Tell <laughs> me. Do you think he's going to get that 45 mil? Fuck. You, don't have, you don't have to talk quietly. It's Tuesday. He's not in the building. Can't hide right. that money. Can't hide it. I'll tell you what, that Christmas gift is going to be fucking sweet. Oh, <laughs> Woo! Boys, let's do some let's do some dumb football questions here. We'll get back to who's the mic next week because we ran long with the Cousins discussion. We also have a couple film breakdowns that we're going to do, and uh, we're going to do a Kirk Cousins film breakdown because there are teams that are going to look at him and say, what was he like right at the end there? Was he playing at a high level? And so we'll, we'll do a, a Cousins film breakdown on the YouTube channel. But uh, dumb football questions, keep submitting these via the YouTube comment section. Uh, we try to stockpile as many as we can. There are there are no truly dumb football questions. This is the point of the segment, so don't don't be ashamed here. 
We'll start with this one from Mr. O'Shea. What are your thoughts on these expert all 22 gurus and creators breaking down film on the internet when they most likely have not played or coached at a high level? In my opinion, you can tell by the way they speak about the game when they break down film that they truly have zero. There's a lot of all 22 scouting gurus out there on the internet. What do you guys think of them? Go ahead, Jay. <laughs> um, I enjoy the fact that more people are getting involved and more people are interested in learning about the all 22 and learning about what true football is, which is the end zone cut. The end zone cut is true football. Like when you watch how things develop from behind and how things work, I appreciate that you want to do that. I will know within the first 10 seconds of a video if someone knows what they're talking about or they're just completely full of shit. And usually it's when they're talking about like a certain technique or there's certain alignments or a front and you're like, mm, that's wrong. But I, I do think that, hey, good on you, man. You're trying. You're doing your best. It's when you start attacking players for missed assignments and you're completely off basis, that's the only time I usually get a little upset. And I'm like, you have no clue what you're talking about. Like, don't be like this guy right here, circle him with his stupid yellow highlighter. Like, he screwed this whole thing up. And it's like, no, 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 no. You don't know. That's not the case. Like, you can try and teach and be like, I think this is what happened and here's what happened. But when you start attacking players because you know what happened and you don't, that's when I'm just like, you're an idiot. Stop talking. I'm with Jay. I think it's great that a lot of people are doing it. I think a lot of offensive linemen are getting a lot more recognition now, and people are trying to break down their film, which I really appreciate. Like Baldy, I think Baldy's trying to go out there and really hammer home a he's lot of all. Dude. dude, I love it. I think it's great. But Baldy plays the spoon. He has like yeah. a spoon that he's doing. Dude, you can tell the guys that played and the guys that haven't. And it, like Jay said, it's kind of funny to listen sometimes because people will blame somebody on the play. You're like, wait a minute, that guy had nothing to do with the fucking what? No, the center just totally re-ID'd that wrong. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You get a little upset, but at the same time, it's it's like Jay said. I think it's cool that people are doing a lot more of it. I see it all the time. I think some of it is right, some of it's wrong. And I think that's where the fans get kind of misled, is that they're listening to the wrong person at times. And they're hearing somebody say, oh, this guy messed it up. So then all of a sudden in their mind, they're like, oh, this guy sucks. It's like, that guy had nothing to do with this. The quarterback should have killed it, or he should have threw it hot, or the center should have done this, or whatever it is. But that's the one thing why I don't like PFF, is because it's given so much credit yet they don't know what's being said behind closed doors. Like, everybody gives PFF all the credit in the world. They are the greatest site at ranking. How the fuck do you know how that coach wanted that blocked? How do you know that they didn't want to gut that backside? You don't know. Like, we used to have tons of checks in the play. Like, this will be juicy. Let's make it like this. And constantly, people will be like, man, you don't have a good grade on PFF. And you're like, fucking gives a shit. My coaches say I'm kicking the shit out of people. My GM just gave me a hug, and he doesn't even like me. Like, what are you talking about? That's why it's it drives me nuts sometimes when people talk about that kind of stuff. But don't you think, like, PFF is – I hear what you're saying. And on, a, on on some level, like, yeah, you need more context for why something – You need wrong. a lot more, especially for the fact that people upstairs are listening to it and reading it. It's like, why are you guys – you guys – you have the master sheet downstairs. You could just go ask the coach, hey – how are these guys playing? Let's break down some film. Let me do it with the guy who's in charge of this whole fucking thing. But don't but you think at the end of the day, dude, like if I give you, so however their process played out, here are the top five offensive tackles according to PFF last year. Would you fight this list? P 
Panay Sewell, Trent Williams, Jordan Mailata, Tyron Smith, Tristan Orfs. No. But you I know, could have said that without the, having to look at PFF. I could have given you all five of those fucking guys without having to look at it. Why? I mean, but why you're not. That, but you're not played. watching every like, single we, snap of every game, though. That's the. That's what they're like to me. That's the value. It might not be perfect, but a guy like me, whether I matter or not, I might never not said it was, know that no, Taylor just, Decker is having a great season. If not for like, if I'm just an idiot watching four Lions games on national TV, I might not know that Taylor Decker had a great season compared let's to... Let's be honest. Not a lot of people are like, is Taylor Decker having a great season? Like, that's not something that's important. I think that if it comes to the skill positions, there's stuff that people look at. But I'm saying, I just don't like that it has so much credibility with everybody, including administration, which is a little bit it of It is a... taken as gospel, 100%. Yeah, I don't like because, it. Because, by the way, there's nobody, else in, there's nobody else in the football community trying to contextualize which guard is better than the other guard there's well, no other place to go. I mean, for that. I I just don't I don't love how Chris Collinsworth can use it on Sunday Night Football and with a, with a number with, next to a player like, on the intro. My name. <laughs> so is you like, know if he's good or bad. And it's yeah. like thirty first of thirty second guard. And how about when they don't even have one? Be like trash, <laughs> trash, 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 trash. Like yeah. before the games even started, they're just yeah. immediately like, "Well, this guy sucks." And then they just hamper <laughs> on it. And okay. when you don't have a grade, that's the worst. You're like, "Oh, oh god, he's not even oh, a yeah. starter." Yeah, it does. Like, it puts a bad thought like, in your mind. I even find myself doing it when I'm watching the DVs, and it's like 132nd of 145th corner. I'm like, oh, this dude must be ass, right? I don't know anything about it. Like, I don't know anything guy's about got a it. Family man, no, he yes. sucks. It's like no. And according to PFF, he's terrible. So now in my mind, he sucks. He and sucks. And that's just part of it. And it's <laughs> honestly brilliant. Like Collinsworth is a genius for oh he's for making hand over fist and doing this and being able to integrate it in on Sunday Night Football and how important it's come and all these things. But I agree with Boone of I just don't appreciate the fact of how much gospel truth it's taken and the narratives in which it can spin a fan base up in. Yes, which is scary because it could get a fan base against the team quickly and the team's like, wait a minute, this guy's playing great. How do we but counter you have, PFF? You have we to can't. Remember, the only person the owner is afraid of. Are the fans? Oh, there's no question. Like or the media. The owner is not afraid of the GM. The owner is not afraid of the coaches. He's not afraid of the players. The only people that make the owner slightly nervous are the fans. And so, if the fans spin themselves up into some tizzy about a player, a PFF or about rage, a PFF rage, yeah. and like all of a sudden it becomes making noise, and I'm tired of watching this guy. I don't want to see this dude on Sundays anymore in my stadium. I'm not buying season tickets. Bouncing. See you later, pal. It's crazy, dude. It's crazy what the media can do. And my agent told me that too a long time ago. They got way more ink than you got breath, dude. Don't you <laughs> dare get into it with them. So true. He used to tell That's me that right. all the time. Yeah. Brody, Respect you're running us. out of breath. Yeah. I'm not. I'm good. He who holds the pen last. That's why oh. I said, hey, he who holds the pen last will get the last word. Scary, dude. Oh, Scary. Man. Let's see. What else we got for dumb football questions? Let's go to Stephen Shannon, who says, you know what? I respect this question. We, we do a lot of this. We explain this on the film breakdowns, but he wants to know, why do offensive linemen back up when they're pass blocking? You can't go downfield, but if you engage at the line of scrimmage, wouldn't the quarterback hypothetically have more room if the defender, if the, uh, the defender beats the block, he'd have further to go to get the quarterback? You know Absolutely, what? Yes. That sounds fabulous in the perfect world, but we are not that fucking athletic at all. <laughs> Listen, this is a great question. We have, a def- we have a bunch of different sets. It's funny because we are actually just going over this set in the gym yesterday, Jay. And 
We call that a jump set. And when you jump set somebody, it's a fight right now. You can't lose with your hands or your feet, and you better be ready to ride that fucking bull. Like, you're going to ride for the full eight seconds, and it's going to be very long. There is a time and a place to jump. The ball's coming out quick. We want to get hands down, play action. We want to fake like we're running the ball. You have to come off the ball a little bit. You have to sell a little bit more to get those linebackers to suck. But most of the time, we're coming off the ball because something's going to happen. Either a blitz is coming, a twist is coming, or technically, I'm just not in good position right now, so I need to find myself in good position. Getting off the ball is what I call time and space. The more space you have, the more time you have to see what's going on, the more you can get yourself in a better position. Ideally, on third down, we're always off the ball. Like We constantly preach to the rookies in the gym. When you are on third down, you need to get off the ball because that's when the twists are coming. That's when the picks are coming. That's when the blitzes are coming. And guess what? Those safeties are so good now, they're going to rock and roll. And if you jump a guy and you guess wrong, you fuck four other guys on the offensive line. They don't understand that initially. So then we have to go into twist drill pretty quickly. And then they're like, okay, I get it. I get it. If I jump this guy, I'm going to get picked from over here. I'm like, correct. But if you come off the ball, instead of getting picked on your hip, now he's going to flash in front of your face. And you're going to see him. And you'll grab him. Or you'll have a better chance to punch him. I'm not saying there's not a good time to jump set people. Because a jump set, if you can jump set people, and you're good at it, and it's hard to be good at a jump set. Dude, you have to have great feet. And your hands have to be on it. And you're just constantly thinking. Because when you're coming off the ball, you have a little bit more time to settle. You're, con- you're not as panicked in your mind. You're kind of like, okay, this is my guy. This is where I'm going. I'm going to strike right now. But when you jump set, you have basically started the lawnmower like, fuck you, dude. I'm in your face right now. What do you got? And if you're not ready, they can hit a counter quickly. They can hit a bull rush quickly. Like, It's a lot to it. There are a couple of clients that I have that love jump setting, and at times I'm like, you have to get off the ball, Bubba. you got to get back a little bit. They love to jump. Not against it, but there's a time and a place for that and because if you miss, you're screwing your quarterback now. But mm-hmm. two, even if you catch it right, it's a long block, and these dudes are very heavy, and they're punching the shit out of you, and they have their hands in your face, and you're like, just throw the fucking ball. Just get rid of it. You know? And then all of a sudden you get picked out of nowhere, and you're like, fuck. Coach going to get me on the sidelines. He told me not to jump him on this down. Jay, you were there. He, what are you doing? You just get on a roll. Nobody can stop you. I was like, sorry, Tony. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I echo everything Boone said. It's a lot of it is just getting ourselves in better position for the fight. You know, if you were to just pick the fight for us, a lot of times on the line of scrimmage, we're out leveraged. Um, they have better angles, like all that stuff. We have to get ourselves off the ball to just put ourselves in a better position for the fight. That, that's really what it comes down to is we have an advantage of knowing the snap count, right? We have a disadvantage of being usually fatter and slower, <laughs> but usually stronger, like yep. most sometimes, right? So it's like using, okay, how do we make this a fair fight? I can try and get to my spot quicker than you by going backwards and putting myself in good body position, and then now we fight for two and a half seconds. Versus if you just said ready break and fought on the line of scrimmage every play, you're going to lose a lot of those times just based off of sheer athleticism and body positioning. Aren't you going to get more tired too? Like yeah. you're enga- you're going to be engaged for like two or three times as long over the course of a full you're game. You're going to be in it, yeah. And your mind yeah, right? is constantly thinking because when you jump somebody, your your first thought should be get on him and your second one is where is he going? Because from there you've basically, if you've done it right, you're forcing him outside. But a lot of guys go nose to nose now. And then so it becomes this three-way go and it's – Dude, honestly, mentally, by halftime, you're like, okay, I'm good. I need to get off the ball. This is too much thinking. I'm, 
I'm in a panic world the entire game. And that's when you start being like, all right, I'm going to come off the ball more. And it just it slows everybody down. It's just a great equalizer for us. All right, here's our last dumb football question, boys, from Otto. He says, is there, is there any limit to what a team owner can give to a player as a signing bonus? Well, his second part is that doesn't count against the cap. Can an owner just dig in and pay whatever to keep a player? Well, everything hits Ooh. the cap at some point. Right. But but to the first part of that question. can get paid off the field. So, uh, yeah. So just a, a signing bonus would get prorated throughout the duration of the contract. So Correct. If you give a guy a $50 million signing bonus and he signs a five-year contract, it, it would be 10-10-10 across the board. Correct. But but is there a limit to – because signing bonuses are cash, right? So if you've got an owner that's just no rich with cash, you could give – in theory, you could give a guy whatever you want for a signing bonus, right? That's a great point. And that was one of the things that as a PA we always talked about was why we never got fully guaranteed contracts is because there is a clause in the CBA that tells the owners that if you fully guarantee something in the contract, you have to write that check to 345 Park Avenue, and you have to deposit it in an escrow bank. So basically, when Kirk Cousins got $90 million guaranteed, the Wilfs had to write a check for $90 million, put it in escrow in case the NFL were to ever collapse. That money is truly fully guaranteed. That's the one thing nobody knows. And so every year at the PA, we would constantly be like, how do we get rid of this fucking rule? And because the minute you would go in and go, hey, we want fully guaranteed, they'd be like, ah, I just can't do that. I just don't want to write a check for $200 million and put it in the bank because that's my money and I'd rather watch it grow. And so you'd be like, fuck, that's a great point. I wouldn't want to put $200 million in the bank either. (laughs) I get it. Like, I understand. So forever, we were constantly like, how do we get away with this? And so obviously, the owners are extremely smart. That was yeah. put in when the NFL <laughs> the billionaires. was billionaires, right? Like the billionaires, you don't want to know how they fight. They're fucking insane. But when you talk about like when the league started, these guys were real dudes. Like they were worried it was going to collapse, and that's why they put this in. And so they've kind of had this saving grace forever. The funding rule: Hey, we don't want to put that money in there. So technically, you could spend a hundred million dollars on someone's signing bonus if you wanted. You just have to put that money up into a bank and say, "Hey, it's not mine anymore. It's, it's all yours." And that's the one thing that keeps them from doing it. How much would you want to give somebody a signing bonus? If you're going over $50 million over a signing bonus, shit's getting crazy. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, the other piece of the signing bonus is there's really very little ability of the team to try and get that money back if it doesn't work out, right? Like, if you sign a guy to a seven-year, $60 million contract and you give him $70 million up front or $100 million up front – and in three years, it's not working out. You ain't getting that money back, right? Right, unless he retires, or there's some like signings bonus forfeiture that comes into play. And we, I don't need to get into the weeds on that because that's a whole different equation and whatnot. But like the signing bonus is a lot of like your upfront guarantees for the first couple of years, because after that, if you start making like that huge signing bonus, that's gonna be guaranteed down the road a long ways too. And if things aren't working out, then it, you ain't getting any of that money back. And for teams, it's it, Correct me if I'm wrong here, but the way that teams create cap space in the short term. So, like this year, there's a but like the the Saints are always like fifty million dollars over the 90, cap, right? They're ninety. They're ninety in. over now, dude. <laughs> well, I, me and Johnny were looking at it Corey, last night. Corey Lindsley for the Chargers just did this. I, I I was reading this this morning as I was making my coffee. I believe Corey Lindsley for the, the Chargers, Chargers was owed eleven, like eleven million dollars this year, or eleven five. Like a base, his base? As his base against the yeah. cap was going to be eleven five this year. He just took a restructuring of 
$10.5 million in signing bonus up front to now his cap hit against the team this year is minimum salary. Yeah. Which is great. So Which you can now, take, so they you can, basically just rolled it, it right over. Yeah. So kick, you can't hey, assigning pay bonus. for the sins of the father and yep. kick that can down the road yep. and just give him all his money up front so that it doesn't count against your cap this year. So teams can take someone's base salary and they can convert as much of it as they want to to a bonus and prorate it over the duration of the contract. So like Correct. If you have a quarterback, and the, I mean, this is where there's there's all kinds of teams that are in this boat. The Chiefs did this the first year of Patrick Mahomes' new contract a few years ago. Said, okay, well, we can either we can either have his forty million million dollar cap hit hit the books this year, and then we're kind of strapped to find new players in free agency, or we can convert thirty million dollars of his thirty five million dollar base to a signing bonus, spread it out spread over it the out. length of the contract, and get like twenty five million in relief. Or it's 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 super complicated it's in the weeds. Yeah, but yeah, it's just called restructuring. But all it does, it's called restructuring. There's a lot of fancy names for it. Just think of it as kicking the can down the road. <laughs> You're yeah. fucked I mean, eventually. It all, it all Look at this save. It, it eventually all comes back Wolf of Wall Street style. The chickens come home to roost. Well, that's, the, that's, the get, contract, that's, that's the cousin's contract, dude. That's the cousin. People are like, like, oh look, his his cap hit was only twenty one million last year. Because, yeah. He got the full amount of money. It, the, <laughs> the accounting department kicked twenty eight and a half into a void mm. year in 2024 so that they could kick the can down the road and deal with it later, right? Correct. Well, that's yeah, cuz now even if you cut Kirk Cousins, you're still cutting You're him paying. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, that money is spent. Like it's not it is spent. Like it's like Boone said, it's in an account. It might as well not even exist to you. You don't even have it. Mm-hmm. Like and that's what these teams will do this at times because they feel like they're in their Super Bowl window or they feel like we have lightning in a bottle and so we have to keep this team together kick the can down the road, kick the can down the road. And what usually happens is that GM eventually gets fired and moves on. And then the new GM comes in and takes over and they're like, here's our books. And they open up the books. They're like, this dude hasn't been on the team for like three years. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, crazy. still, still paying. Who's him. been doing these books? Yeah, we'll let Boone take and, over. Well, dude. the best part, as I can remember, I can remember every year, and Boone, this is going to, Kind of a, not a shot at you, but kind of. I Don't can be. remember every year uh, the PA would come in and they put up the the pie chart of who's getting paid in the in the rooms, right? And it's like this percent goes here, this percent goes here. And I can remember in 20, 2017, the PA came in and they were like, yeah, see here, this is your dead money cap. And it like came out of like where it was coming from the old line room. And everyone was like, ah, oh, Alex, miss that guy. Uh, right? Because they didn't really miss Alex, but there's a bunch of dead money cap. Me in a there. Lot of money. But it like, but that's how it goes. And that's why teams are like, why are these guys so bad? It's like, well, how many players are they paying that aren't on their team anymore? Yeah. Right. Well, the right. Pa- I mean, the Packers, didn't the Packers have all of that Aaron Rodgers debt? They had like $50 million in Aaron yeah. Rodgers dead money, and yeah. they still Dude, made the playoffs. Look at the Saints. They're in dead money from Drew Brees era i'm not even kidding that is kicked the can down the road for 10 fucking years here's my bigger question and this is my dumb football question what's going to happen when they're not under the cap because i don't know how you find 80 million dollars i don't know how many fucking players dude you're gonna have to axe everybody you're literally like free agents are like hey what do you got they're like don't Don't even come over here, dude. You got nothing for us. Dude, there I feel bad for Dennis Allen. He he inherited a fucked up problem. And it's no money. And well, when it's you funny, have the, no money. The Saints only have two million dollars in dead money for two thousand twenty four. So they need to 
Yeah, active roster they need to is act the problem. Eighty now. million dollars. Roster, yeah. Johnny There's... goes, "What happens if they're over?" I go, "You don't want to know, dude." Like the <laughs> yeah. fucking Roger Goodell gets on his PJ and comes out to see you, and he's like, "Hey, <laughs> did you see these fucking books? Because I've seen them." You want to own this see team? The caps going up like fifty million dollars this year, though. Maybe yeah. What did they say? Two. It's going, well, it's, gonna, it's, gonna go, it's going up ten million to to two fifty. It was two. It always goes up ten a year. Two, it's gone up thirty. No, I thought it was like two twenty five. Here, let's. I look. No, I think it, I, thought I thought it was two thirty eight last year or something. I thought it was two twenty five. I don't. Know, I should know this. Um, <laughs> He's our agent, our resident agent. Um, NFL cap by year. It was. It okay. It was two twenty four. 225 last year. Yeah. And Florio I projected, projected like to be close to 250. So it'll be yeah, up like so 25. I, I thought it was going to be like a 25. Okay. So I was in 50. I thought it was going to be a substantial, substantial. Even that, like, you're that's fucked. a big. No, you're still. Yeah. You're still totally toast. Dude. But that's a substantial amount of. Here's what's crazy. One when year. you guys played in the in the heart of your time, which was, let's call it five, six, seven years ago. I mean, Booney go back, you know, nine, 10 years. Yeah, I think it was like the, 180 when I was there. The Maybe cap has gone up a hundred million dollars in the last nine years. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of it's because of the rookie wild. contracts. A lot yeah. of it's. I mean, when Boone and I, I mean, shit, when I came in the league, rookie in 2014, rookie minimum was four hundred twenty thousand dollars. Right, great money. Don't get me wrong. Very high. rookies walking into the league this year are making seven fifty. Right, yeah. so the rookie the rookie scale contracts have doubled. Right, as a minimum salary is a nine, in the old CBA under pre new pre twenty. When I was in there, like Sam twenty twenty, yeah. When I was in my sixth year, my minimum salary was like nine ten. Now, dudes are rookie contracts. You're making over a million in your third year. It's crazy, right? So, like the rookie salaries have gone up, and so if that was the case, you had to bump the salary cap up like that, or else there's no way you could pay these rookies like you are now. Yeah. Plus, it's the NFL, dude. That's the grow most growing business in the world. Like every year, they're continually getting Thanks, bigger, Taylor. better. Like, oh yeah, since I wouldn't be surprised if she had something to do with this salary cap. Dude, like, I'm not even kidding. Like if you guys don't thank her for getting fucking more money, you should be sorry for yourself. Like, I'm not even kidding. The cap was projected to be like 243 million. Three now it's two fifty. Now it's two fifty. Even if seven million dollars by thirty-one teams, it's two hundred and ten million dollars, dude. That she's fucking crushing. It's for a the love NFL. story. It's an NFL yeah, love hey, story, you guys. We all kind of joked about it, but the dudes in the league right now, are, someone's going to get paid off Taylor Swift, and they don't even know it. <laughs> they don't even fucking know, bro. <laughs> by the way, the best thing you guys can do to help us grow this pie, not maybe mm. on the level that the NFL mm. pie is. Give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as we look to grow the audio side. And if you could, too, like tell tell your football-loving friends that you found this new podcast. It's your favorite podcast you've ever found in your entire life. And uh, get somebody else hooked on the O-Line Committee. And click the and like button and the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. All you Kirk Crusaders, don't come after my family, I promise. <laughs> it's not that I don't like the guy. I heard a I lot swear. of hate coming out of you guys. Yeah, in particular. Yeah, yeah, a lot of hate. Look in the here. mirror, Jay. Just look you in should. the mirror. Point the thumb. I point the thumb. 